Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors, Macabre Manor of Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody, and I'm done doing that. <laughs> and I'm James, and quite impressed. Quite impressed, indeed. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. So the chances of me being a death metal singer are probably slim to none. <laughs> because <laughs> I cannot sustain that for much more than I just did. <laughs> hey, look, that guy's having a heart attack. You could have been a doctor, but now you became a black metal singer. Go, go, bleh, to him and see if that helps. <laughs> Shut up, Dad, you're not helping. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, since we're being evil, are we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to more Halloween literature for our Halloween literature extravaganza, Magoriana thing moving on <laughs> uh welcome to more literature but this time we actually don't have an author whose last name starts with the b we don't have any b arthurs this time no but, no we do not but much like the golden girls this will be a very old <laughs> author in fact the oldest author on our list this year <laughs> yes although, although there is a b character in here there is Technically, we'll, we'll get to he that. Goes by, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> and we'd like to say happy 200th anniversary, which is why we're doing this one for Washington oh, yeah. Legend of Sleepy Hollow, first published uh -huh. in 1820. Even though the story takes place in 1790, and I realized I about started to sing in 1816. We took a little trip. <laughs> 1820. We took a little trip. Up the Gimsey River uh, to the Terrytown slip. We yeah. motorboats got a horse, went on a big jog until we saw the headless horsemen and we nearly died in fog. Oh, I'm making this up and I really should stop. I'm going to take a drink. I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, so Legend of Sleepy Hollow was originally published in the uh, sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon Gentleman. What uh, what beer were you drinking there, James? I am drinking Ichabod Pumpkin Ale from New Holland Brewing. Nice Just for this episode. We can I get like New Holland anyway. here. I have not found that. Uh, by the way, I'm having my. Uh, uh, this is out of the Elysian mix pack I got the uh, Punkachino Coffee Pumpkin Ale, which I may or may not have already done one during one of our episodes mm. previous to this. I don't remember. Speaking of pumpkins. Ah, duck. Sleepy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'm fine. Poor Everything's fine. <laughs> yes. As, as Jody was saying, it was written that. Nice. Shut up. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> hey, batter, batter, swing. Ooh, right in the head. But, yes. um, speaking of setups, <laughs> I, I thought Washington Irving did an excellent job with the story of setting up the end. He did. It, it's, it starts sort of spooky even, then it, then it mm -hmm. calms back down and then ramps the spooky back up until it becomes really yeah. spooky and it's just really quite good. Yeah. yeah I've, I mean, I've, I've read this several times, but actually sitting down and going through it and doing notes I started to I started to notice the setup <laughs> earlier in the story and I went oh okay <laughs> so for background for those of you who don't know I mean we won't go much because surely everybody fairly much knows the story from something yeah uh, but let's 
takes place in the very late 1700s, 1790, in uh, just a, a very cozy little town called Sleepy Hollow, of course. And the people there are sort of chill and laid back, except for a few that we'll get to. And they, they have ghost stories going on, and they have all these little local goblins and imps and creatures that they talk about at first. And then, then it comes back down and just talks about life and this tranquil little town. And and then it gets better later. <laughs> Funnily enough, I Washington Irving is American, but he wrote it while he was living abroad in uh, England. Really? Yeah. He uh, Actually, he's, well, this may be a Christmas episode, but while he's in England, he got all sorts of English style ideas of Christmas and brought them back. And he's one of the few people who turned our American drunken Christmas fest into something more family oriented. Aww. Could be two things. Can be family oriented oh, and true. then later have several beers. That's true. With, you know, those family and friends that like to do that or by yourself in front of your teetotaling family. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody like that. <laughs> yeah, in fact, uh, he, yeah. along with uh, James Finmore Cooper, and uh, they were the big first two, but then a few others, they were the mm-hmm. first ones to really make a name in American literature uh, over the seas in Britain and Europe. Yeah. There is a line in the story, Legend of Sleepy Hollow, where he talks about Sleepy Hollow. He talks about the valley that it's located in. I was going to read this, if, if you don't mind. No, I've got a couple snippets, too. So, yeah, you go ahead. Okay. If ever I should wish for a retreat, whither I might steal away from the world and its distractions and dream quietly away the remnant of a troubled life, I know of none more promising than this little valley. That's adorable. And, you know, they call it Sleepy Hollow because it is. It's just tranquil and idyllic. Yeah. Uh, boy, here, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read mine because we mentioned how it starts kind of spooky, then mm-hmm. goes kind of slow and stuff. So here, uh, mentioned that they have all sorts of old superstitions. So mm-hmm. here's my little piece. Now, I've only got two, but here's one. Okay. They're given to all kinds of marvelous beliefs and are subject to trances and visions and frequently see strange sights and hear music and voices in the air. The whole neighborhood abounds with local tales hunted spots, and twilight superstitions. Stars shoot, meteors glare, oftener across the valley than in any other part of the country. And the nightmare, with her whole ninefold, seems to make it the favorite scene of her gambles. The dominant spirit, however, that haunts this enchanted region, and seems to be commander-in-chief of all the powers of the air, is the apparition of a figure on horseback without a head. But I love that. I mean, it talks all throughout. It mentions goblins and and witches and ghosts. and yes. I've uh, finally, finally for this episode, looked up what the hell that, when it says the nightmare and her whole ninefold are, because yeah. I know what a nightmare is. It's, you know, it's a demon imp that sits on your chest and gives you nightmares, although some will make it be like a horse, but the nightmare and her nine foals is a line from King Lear from Shakespeare and seems to be more of a demon with its, you know, the nine offspring. Fancy schmancy then. Yeah. Shakespeare. He's thrown in Shakespeare, although Irving says ninefold instead of nine foals. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's all good. Maybe it's a regional yeah. thing. Maybe he misunderstood be. the English up on stage when he was over there. <laughs> yeah, that could be. Most of the people that live in that area, uh, according to the story, were the descendants of the original Dutch settlers. They still had a lot of their superstitions. Yes. In fact, it's mentioned that the people there don't really move and it stays fairly similar throughout while in the rest of the country 
people move like there's a big movement and everything and things change but here the customs of old are still used yeah and i mean remember this was it he wrote it in 1820 it takes place in 1790 it's only seven years removed from uh the story took place only seven years removed from the end of the american revolution yeah so I, at this point you've got that great westward migration into like kentucky K- kentucky tennessee ohio the ohio territory the indiana territory um or, or the northwest territory as they, they called it originally so into alabama and mississippi at that point too the american revolution figures fairly prominently in it because it talks about how yes they go to this party later that we'll get to and you have people telling stories about how great they were and how they killed a bunch of british soldiers or you know they sank ships and stole cannons and all sorts of neat things and yeah they were um mostly true stories kind of embellished but (laughs) and and allowed to be so everybody's allowed to embellish to make them their own hero of their own story of course one of the people that died in one of the battles lost his head (laughs) yeah i was gonna make a joke but decided not to (laughs) (laughs) yes the headless horseman said to be the ghost of a hessian trooper whose head had been carried away by cannonball in some nameless battle during the revolutionary war and it was ever and anon seen by the country folk hurrying along in the gloom of night as if on the wings of the wind. Also, it's cool because. Some alli- <laughs> uh, I, 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 was, I was just going to say some, some alliteration there. <laughs> I, I always appreciate alliteration. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I like how they talk about the commander in chief of all the powers of the air and wings on the wind because I, I think that demons a lot of times are like coming on the winds and. Like uh, Pazuzu from The Exorcist, the Exorcist is a, a demon of the wind. And so, you know, there's a little bit of demonology even going on in there. Yeah. A mm. little bit. So as we said, sets it up really nice. You know, talks about, like Jody said, the very sleepy town. And then starts talking about how the old wives and do their tales and the, all these stories of ghosts and goblins and things. But then it calms back down again. And Washington Irving is really good at setting wilderness scenes, wildlife scenes, describes birds. But two, there are two different sections where he talks about food because one of the characters loves food. I've actually made a few of the, re- uh, not recipes, but a few of the actual foods by finding recipes that are mentioned in here because they, they sound really good. For example, the pedagogue's mouth watered as he looked upon the scrumptious promise of luxurious winter fare. In his devouring mind's eye, he pictured to himself every roasting pig running about with a pudding in his belly and an apple in his mouth. The pigeons were snugly put to bed in a comfortable pie and tucked in with a coverlet of crust. The geese were swimming in their own gravy and the ducks pairing cozily in dishes like snug married couples with a decent competency of onion sauce. In the porkers, he saw carved out future sleek side of bacon and juicy relishing ham. Not a turkey, but he beheld daintily trussed up with its gizzard under its wing and peradventure a necklace of savory sausages. <laughs> I think yeah, I love that paragraph. <laughs> I think the pedagogue is a hobbit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so who is the pedagogue, should we say? Um, that would be uh, Ichabod Crane. My beer's namesake. Yes, pedagogue he's from Connecticut. Says- he is. Connecticut, yes. that state that has all sorts of its sons going out to 
plays the frontier, but also sends its teachers, which is what pedagogue means, and, and people with brains out into the other states. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a lean, lanky, sort of scarecrow. I think he even uses the term like the four horsemen famine. As <laughs> yeah. He does that, but at the same time, he also, the description he gives is almost literally like a crane. Yeah. The bird. With the, beak, with the big nose, the beak. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. I, was, I, wouldn't, I wasn't going to say it. One last cousin to you, James. <laughs> I mean, you know, if we'd done this as a play in high school, I know who would have played Ichabod, but that's. As long as, long as they don't have to sing like Bean Crosby. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> it's funny you should mention. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a little bit too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the schoolmaster, choir master. Now I like how they describe him and how he handles the students. And I wasn't going to go mm-hmm. into that, but you're, you're welcome to. Uh, no, I didn't actually make notes on how he handled the students. I I I did uh, mention that um, he didn't have a home of his own, but he would like spend a week at a time with a family of, of one of his students and he'd just kind of rotate through the, through the village. He'd, he'd earn his keep by, by uh, helping out with household chores and light farm work and stuff like that too. So, Rocking babies, doing some easy things, making sure he goes to the yeah. houses where the students have pretty sisters or, <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. knows the boss yeah. is on a really nice smorgasbord. <laughs> uh-huh. And he likes to read Cotton Mather's History of New England Witchcraft. Which does nothing but inflame his imagination when he's out walking in the twilight. <laughs> yeah. I, I, gotta, I gotta read this note as I wrote it. Because <laughs> sometimes I, I don't. Um, he liked to learn, and, and you mentioned the, the marvelous, okay? So the, the supernatural stuff. He liked to learn about the marvelous, but was easily affected by it. After spending his summer afternoons reading Mather's book, he would walk home in the evening during the gloaming and be easily spooked by the sights and sounds during that liminal time. See, I worked two words in there. You did. I know. I love both of those. I love gloaming is one of my favorite words ever. You know, that being that awesome just as the sun sets and it's starting to get really, you can still kind of see things. It's almost like everything has a fairy light. Ooh. Yeah, it's twilight. Yeah. And liminal. Basically. Ooh. Liminal, yes. Ooh, where two things are coming together. Ooh. In this case, <laughs> day and night. No, I was, I was going to say, uh, during the winters, he enjoyed listening to the ghost stories from the old Dutch wives. So he'd, he'd sit with them at their fires, telling uh, them telling their stories, and he would tell stories of witches out of Mather's book. And his, his walks home after such sessions were as spooky, if not spookier, than his summer travels. <laughs> Yeah, for somebody who gets scared, he still likes to be scared. Yeah, which I thought was, I thought that was great, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and it made me think, why do people watch horror movies? I mean, it's it's cathartic, but why why? Because you get scared and you work through that. But here we are, two hundred years ago, and this character's doing the same thing. Yes. Although I don't know that he really worked through the, the fear as much. And 
well, maybe he didn't have time to work through his fears much. Ooh, foreshadowing. Ooh. I'd say I don't want to spoil it, but I'm pretty sure most people know how this ends. But well, right, yeah. <laughs> or they th they may think they know. They may think they know. They may not actually know how it actually ends. Ooh. We'll find out. Dun, dun, dun. So is there a love interest in the story? I can't remember. Hmm. Uh, there, there is. I have this note. Ichabod loved the ladies, but was especially smitten with Katrina Van Tassel, the only child of Baltus Van Tassel. And I have a side note on that. Christina Ricci was perfectly cast based on the description in the book. Um, obviously, there was some help from hair, makeup, and costuming departments, but <laughs> in Tim Burton's movie, Christina Ricci, perfect. Yep. Yeah, I've got. Uh, I could. I could. I, I could say that about Christina Ricci and most what everything she's done. So that's. Yeah. I've got adaptations further down in my notes, but I can definitely say without even having to scroll through my notes, what I wrote was Christina Ricci. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, Baltus Van Tassel is quite a well-to-do farmer with all sorts of. Mm -hmm. Well, we read the little bit with all the different types of food, and and yeah. Ichabod can definitely see if he gets to marry Katrina. Not only is she attractive, but I think he's actually more interested in seeing what he can do with all the land and food and gold and making it even bigger and more prosperous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, as and eventually even selling everything. And uh, I, you know, we were talking earlier about this was the time when people were moving west into what was in the frontier and he's even considering that far ahead selling stuff and packing up and moving to uh, th those western frontier territories yeah silly crane instead of silly dudes. <laughs> yeah oh, well words dangerous they their words already been settled and <laughs> yeah you don't want yeah, to work hard a new farm you have a great farm you dumbass <laughs> Of course, it can't just be a love story aspect piece. There has to be a love triangle, mm -hmm. which is where the B comes in, Jody mentioned. I'm assuming this is where you had the B. Yes. Abraham uh, von Brunt, also known as Brom Bones for his, the Brom being short for Abraham in the Dutch mm -hmm. culture, and, and Bones yep. because he is a very large, broad-shouldered, striking, get-up-and-go, energetic, young man mm -hmm. <laughs> yep the leader of the sleepy hollow boys his little group of dudes and they go out and galloping around and yipping and yelling and just having a good time and when he's first described he actually seems okay because they say he's good natured you know he'll do yeah. things that are sort of kind of in an odd way um that you might think dickish at first but you know he, it never comes across that way until maybe a little bit later but even then not bad yeah I, no, he's he's um, he's described as a bit of a prankster too. Yeah, but not in a, a shitty way. More of a good-natured prankster. No, well, at least until he starts to realize that Ichabod's spending a lot of time with Katrina. But then, then that's Ichabod's fault because he's moving in on Brahms' area. Yeah, you know, all's fair in love and war. <laughs> mm-hmm. Besides, I'm sure Brom Bones has been keeping an eye on Katrina Van Tassel for a while, and now that she's just come of age, here comes this gawky-looking crane dude. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Ooh, 
is very cultured, can sing, can dance, can converse, can, you know, musically inclined, very much a smooth dude as opposed to Brom, who's just kind of rowdy and big. I, I have a little note that says, we all know Brom Bones. Hopefully you know the better Brom Bones who's more just fun rather than the shitty part. If you don't know Brom Bones, he might be him. <laughs> Yeah, I tend not to hang out with those people too much. (laughs) Well, to say hang out, we just know them. (laughs) So yeah, um, Brom finds out what's going on, and they play a lot of pranks and tricks on Ichabod, and Ichabod sometimes thinks it might be witches giving him hassles. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And the next thing I was going to say, it all comes to a head at a party, but I didn't know if he had anything before then. Just the image of Ichabod on his way to the party, riding on the the, the horse on gunpowder. You know. Well, Ichabod's teaching. Uh, one of Baltus's servants comes in, gives him an invitation because Baltus is going to have a big harvest party. So, of course, Ichabod's all excited because he gets to mm-hmm. go and eat a bunch of food and maybe try to hit on Katrina a little bit. And yeah, it talks about how he's spending 30 more minutes getting ready and then he borrows a horse called Gunpowder because <laughs> mm-hmm. Gunpowder is a very old horse and yet uh, very temperamental and uh, kind of hard to handle. It's very devilish. <laughs> I love the words he uses. <laughs> well, and and the, the the description of him, like I said, on gunpowder, with the uh, the stirrups on the on the saddle are too short, so his knees are practically up at his chin, and he's and his arms are kind of bouncing, so it looks like he's flapping his wings. You know, I mean. So, more more description that goes along with the crane. <laughs> I, mean, I guess there are two parts of the party. There's the part of the party, yeah. you know, the first part of the party, which is second to the second part of the party, which is the first part of the second part of the party to the party. Yeah. But the first part of the party yeah. is the food, which he enjoys quite immensely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and And he gets to spend time dancing with Katrina. Yeah. Katrina the coquette. While, while Brom, yes, yes, Katrina the coquette. While Brom brooded in the corner. Like Conan. No. <laughs> Conan broods all the time. Conan, yeah. And Conan doesn't play pranks. He would have just... Lopped his head off and... Yeah, but then, then how did things go by the end of the party? After all that, Ichabod hung out on the on the porch, or as, as Irving described it a, a, a piazza where, where the elders were telling their, their stories of, of the revolutionary war that you mentioned earlier. Ichabod kind of threw in some of his witch stories from Cotton Mather's book. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. The others, I guess, started telling ghost stories too, because they started talking about the headless horseman. Yeah. A couple good stories. Yeah. With people finding out but, them racing and how to be safe from him. If you ever do meet him and yeah. David Brom Bones even tells a story of, of racing him, yeah. Although in Brom's case, he says he won, and when he turned around to get his prize, the <laughs> demon had vanished. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. sure, Brom. Uh-huh. Well, Go ahead. One of the, the way to, to be safe is to cross the bridge, and crossing mm-hmm. over running water is one of the sure ways to protect yourself, which we mentioned in the Iron Maiden Number of the Beast episode. Yes. Yeah. Way back when, almost two years ago. <laughs> yep. 
But the, the party kind of breaks up after that. Yes, and of course, Ichabod Crane, being the protagonist, naturally gets the hand of Katrina Van Ta- Oh, wait. Oh. No. Uh, <laughs> no. Heavy hearted no, he crestfallen. <laughs> yeah. So he rides gunpowder back. And this is the point in the story where it really becomes spooky. Oh, this is the best part where he's going by yes the tree that's haunted by the ghost of british spy major john andre who it's an interesting story on itself because of how he was hung being a spy because he was not dressed as a soldier and if he would have dressed as a soldier he would have been fine and they almost didn't hang him anyway i'm trying to make this really quick but i love that it's one of my favorite stories because he ends up being quite the gentleman about the whole thing <sighs> okay no, sorry i love revolutionary war stuff i know way more about it than i do the civil or others <laughs> <laughs> yes he Goes by all sorts of little haunted areas on the way back. And landmarks that were pointed out in the stories that he had just heard. (laughs) And then he comes upon a cloaked rider in an intersection by the swamp. Mm -hmm. Okay, I will will just say one thing. Uh, He was freaked out because this person is just an imposing rider, this big, quiet, moody... And on mounting a rising sun, while brought the figure of his fellow traveler in relief against a sky, gigantic in height and muffled in a cloak, Ichabod was horror-struck on perceiving that he was headless. But his horror was so... (gasps) More increased on observing that the head, which should have rested on his shoulders, was carried before him on the pommel of his saddle. No! What the pommel? So obviously he has now met the dreaded horseman, the headless Hessian. Run away! Run away! He does. <laughs> he, yes, he does. And he Gun almost makes it. Gunpowder being a little pain in the ass, somehow veers off the road a little bit and starts going weird. <laughs> <laughs> then they, they get yep. the race to the bridge by the old Dutch burying ground where that's where the Hessian would vanish if you win there. Should... should I mean, you're right. It's a 200-year-old story. Most people probably know what happens. <laughs> Should uh-huh. we say? Right. Go ahead. So Ichabod makes it. They actually make it across the bridge. <laughs> just in time, you can uh-huh. feel, the, feel the breathing of the, the horseman's horse right on his neck, but they make it across. So he turns around, and a severed pumpkin head is thrown at Ichabod. Knocks him off of gunpowder. Pow! And the rider and the rider's horse and gunpowder go upon their merry way. Yeah. So, of course, we're all assuming that Ichabod has been taken to... Wait, not taken. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. I was trying to read something. No, yeah, taken. Oh, yeah, yeah, taken taken by the... Yeah, yeah, because the the villagers think that he's been taken by the horseman. By the horseman. Because they'd never find him. They find his hat. They find the busted-up pumpkin. (laughs) but they never find him. Although, and see, and this is where I think a lot of people may not know this part of the story. It is told later that word does come back, although the, the, the old Dutch wives don't believe it, um, that uh, Ichabod did go somewhere else. He just kind of ran away that night. <laughs> <laughs> and and he, um, uh, he actually, he wound up being a lawyer and became a politician down I, I believe in downstate new york so probably down around you know new york city yep. married well and has a family and mm-hmm. yeah 
So yeah, it, it depends on what version you like have heard and read. And I mean, the main story actually, even when I said through the pumpkin, I'm pretty sure uh, because I, I actually just listened to it and read it that it's it wasn't a pumpkin. That seems to be the typical thing it's presented by. But it was actually just his head, right? That he threw at him. Uh no, I thought it said pumpkin actually in the in the story. Well, let's see. Better that, like that he when when he saw him he he thinks it's a head that's how it's described as he's holding his head but when it's actually thrown at him the narrator actually says pumpkin uh it does not it says if he makes it as a rule in a flash of fire and brimstone the the writer would disappear but he goes just then he saw the goblin rising in his stirrups and in the very act of hurling his head at him ichabod endeavored to dodge the horrible missile but too late when they find the tracks the next morning they find ichabod's they hat find the pumpkin and shattered pumpkin and some Shattered people pumpkin, use that yeah. to say that it's Brom Bones trying to scare him off by using a pumpkin instead of a head. But the whole time, Ichabod thinks it's a head. Right. So that's where, yeah, when they see the Shattered Pumpkin. That's, that's, where, I, that's where I was getting pumpkin from, yeah, was that they find the Shattered Pumpkin. You know, we'll, we'll get to a adaptation here in a second where that's obvious, you know, what it is. But, yeah, it's kind of neat. Right. Like, is, was it a goblin? Was it an actual headless horseman? Was it Brom Bones jacking around with him? Did Ichabod get taken away and die? Or, you know, his head taken by the Headless Horseman? Or is he a barrister down in New York? Who's to know? Well, there's there's actually a postscript to the story. (laughs) (laughs) And I really got the impression, even though he never names who those two characters were, that it's Ichabod and Brom. (laughs) And, of course, Brom does get uh katrina to the altar now that ichabod's yes. gone he has no other nobody yes. else wanted to fight ichabod was the only one no matter how scared he was he was the only one brave enough to go up against brom bones for the hand of katrina yeah i'll let you decide if you'd like to talk about the postscript though no more than what i've already said excellent <laughs> i got nothing on it yeah I've, yeah <laughs> can i give you some background before we move on to other cool things sure this is the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor Bee Metal Mayhem, and we do context. Context. I took a drink as you were saying it, so. And I took a drink as you said, yes. <laughs> we <laughs> traded. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, of course, you have the Battle of White Plains on October 1776, which isn't far from this area. But all throughout the Revolutionary War, uh, you have outlaws, raiders, vigilantes. I mean, you had areas that patriots wouldn't go into and loyalists wouldn't go into. Now, besides Loyalist Rangers and British Light Infantry, there were Hessian Jaegers, renowned sharpshooters and horsemen, who were some of the the raiders who would skirmish with the Patriot militias. And that's where this is. The Headless Horseman's a decapitated Hessian soldier. And some people think it may be based on a discovery of a, a Jaeger's headless corpse found in Sleepy Hollow after a violent skirmish. And actually buried by the Van Tassel family in the old Dutch burying ground because there was a Van Tassel family in the area. I wondered about that. And uh, Jaeger, by the way, this is where I don't know if somebody's making this up. And I know this without having to look it up because I know Jaegermeister, the drink, mm-hmm. one of the very few drinks I still have a hard time drinking because of how sick I got one night. <laughs> Jaegermeister means hunter. So Hessian yes. Jaegers would be Hessian hunters Hunter, headless horseman, hunting for his head. You know, I, I'm not 
positive some of the background you'll find on the true history of the Headless Horseman is completely accurate. I go with more of it's from Washington Irving being in Europe at the time because he wrote it there. And you can find uh, Northern European storytelling that have Headless Horseman and the Wild Hunt. Good point. Let me just go ahead and do the Wild Hunt Headless stuff now. And then we'll talk about um, adaptations. Or do you want to wait? This is one where one of our fans actually asked us on the Podbean website about this. So since it's 200th anniversary anyway, I thought I'd answer this specific question in the episode. Okay, yeah, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. Because I was thinking maybe Wild Hunt stuff should wait till December. But no, I, I know you had mentioned wanting to answer that question. So well, mostly just specifically about this. And the Wild Hunt is active yeah. from around Salwin through Ewell and, you know, so... Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, the yeah the Irish Dullahan headless horseman. You have the Wild Hunt in Scandinavia and English legends. Uh, of course, Robert Burns Tam O'Shanter that we've talked about, mm-hmm. and uh, Derwild Jaeger, which translates to the Wild Huntsman. Berger's awesome picture. It's it's beautiful. Uh, there's Carl Musaus, mm-hmm. uh, a German folklorist who did all sorts of folklore on this, but the biggest ones that people think influenced Washington Irving would be from Irish folklore, an Irish type of fairy, according to some, although I don't think it's a fairy at all, is the Dullahan, uh, also known as the Gan Khan, without a head, that is an actual, based on Irish legends, uh, a headless horseman that rides around the Irish countryside. Also along with that is the Death Coach, which is an Irish legend, also called the Silent Coach or Dumb Coach, associated with the Banshee, is a black coach driven by a headless horseman and is a death omen. Irish seem to have a lot of those. They, they do. They, death, death omens, yeah. <laughs> they have a few. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't think the Doolan's a, a fairy creature, even though some will say he is. He's supernatural. He's not a fairy, uh, since you know that's a whole different episode, and I'm not going to get into that, I think. There's also Brothers Grimm, which may have influenced him because those would have been popular. There's one that says criminals, uh, punishment for crime was beheading, and sometimes they would come back as a headless man in a long gray coat sitting on a gray horse. And of course, you have Jack the Hunting Devil stories, Hans Jägendertuffel. It's a misunderstanding of that if a man commits a crime punishable by decapitation and it remains undiscovered in his lifetime, he will wander around after his death with his head under his arm. You know, better to be decapitated while you're alive and be found out than suffer through eternity. Yeah. But these would have been the things that influenced Washington Irving. And it's so the question was actually about the Wild Hunt. And the Wild Hunt does have some overlapping with the Headless Horsemen because they will go after sinners and Mm -hmm. they can be death omens and they'll go after people who are doing what they shouldn't be doing. So there's an overlap there, but it's just a single huntsman typically without the, the whole hunt with the dogs and more than one rider and everything. Okay. Although there is one story from a Grimm story where there was a hunting horn, but the lady heard it. She turned around to see a headless horseman in a long gray coat on a gray horse. So it was still a hunting horn, but only the one thing. A little bit of overlap, but not really the wild hunt. So okay. similar 
uh, revenge, psychopompic, don't sin, don't get caught, don't look at him, things. But mm-hmm. so, so they have some similar attributes, but not the same thing. So cool. There we go. And, and that's, that's, that's all I've got to say about that. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> Well, me too. Good deal. How about uh, favorite adaptations then? Okay. So I got we, one. Can, we can start with Sleepy Hollow from Tim Burton's 1999 film because you already mentioned that. Did you have anything to add to that? Only that uh, I believe you said you wanted to do an actual episode on that one time. Yeah, sometime I wouldn't mind. I, no rush. It's okay. The, Oh, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. No. Yeah. I'm just. I'm. Just, yeah. That's why I wasn't really going to go that much into it because I thought we had talked about doing an actual episode on that. I mean, I like the the little bit of differences they make, and I like how they change Ichabod a little bit. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's really good. Tim Burton does great creepy ass things, and and the little scene where the headless horseman's come bound comes bounding out of the the tree is great. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Um, I I think you could literally take all of Tim Burton's movies and make the case that they share a universe. Like they're all, they're all part of the same world. I could see that. And yes, I, I, I yes, I realize that means the, 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 the Michael Keaton Batman <laughs> and Pee Wee's big adventure as well. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I, I am too. I give that my stamp of approval. Well, that's two stamps? That, that was that was be stamping the stamp into the ink and then stamping the stamp of approval onto the approval paper. Oh, I thought it was a horse counting to two. Stamp, stamp. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> oh, one of the best horse scenes ever would be from Animal House. But that's a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes although instead of just doing a sleepy hollow we could just do your idea of an episode where we talk about tim burton films and that would include sleepy hollow that's true too what we make for um yeah yeah i will figure that out what other adaptations do you have or do you want me to go do you have another one um the only other one that i can really think of that i've seen is disney's that's my favorite. <laughs> I, I watch I, it You know, year. I have to admit, I, I have not seen that since I was a kid. And I think I only saw it one time and it scared the piss out of me. Yeah. Yeah. As a kid, it's, it's spooky, but man, I, they, I think they do a great job of translating the book into a fun, I mean, cause Disney does dark well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's got, um, I need scenes, pruning and Ichabod Crane looks like Ichabod Crane and Brom Bones looks like Brom Bones and and that's where everybody gets the pumpkin idea because he does throw a lit jack-o'-lantern at Ichabod's head instead of yeah it does a great job of showing what they're all like and the pranks and the singing and it's just good in the end one of the spookiest cartoon things where he's going through and he starts getting spooked out and then he realizes oh there's nothing here and then oh look something's here (laughs) Yeah, and that's that. That's the only part of it I really remember is the end when, you know, he's being chased and just that image of the the, the lit jack o' lantern flying towards him. 
because yeah. it's it's his point of view if i remember correctly it's his point of view and it's coming straight at the camera <laughs> yep yeah he's looking down through the covered bridge and the jack lantern comes straight through the bridge right at your face <laughs> yep no, i love hell i love bean crosby singing even you can find it by the way if you look up the adventures of ichabod and mr toad uh it's from 1949 that's typically how they're paired when you look up dvds and vhs and what's not in the old days, when I first saw it, way, way back in the, you know, you have Disney on Sunday nights and they would do, around Halloween, they would just do Sleepy Hollow. And that's like a 30 little minute thing, you know, less after commercials. But they would have another 30 minutes where they would actually go into the historical details of that region at that time. And it was really neat. And you can still find that occasionally oh, on wow. websites. I, I, I very much remember the wonderful world of Disney. Yeah. Sunday nights. Couldn't watch it during football season. <laughs> there was always a game on. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I remember, I remember watching that. I have, I have one more, but did you have anything else on? No. Uh, okay. So the uh, 2013 television series, Sleepy Hollow, so it takes place in 2013. Ichabod Crane comes back to life because a headless horseman is coming back. I forget if there are three or four seasons. I will say the first – season and second season mm -hmm. i actually enjoyed quite a bit as a different take kind of like sleepy hollow but still really good mm -hmm. the last season or two not, not so good i don't even think i finished the last season so you know if that tells you that somebody's anally retentive as i am about having to finish things they start won't finish because i'm not going to waste eight hours of my life yeah you know. <laughs> uh, but but it starts yeah i I, yeah, I remember when that came out. I, I I actually didn't get a chance to start watching it, so I didn't. Um, I wasn't following it, but uh, I remember it was very highly regarded when it first came out. Yeah, and the first main arc, I think, is the first two seasons. If you stop after the second season, after that, it starts a new sort of arc and it goes downhill. You don't have to think, like even start season three; just watch the first two. Uh, also, in the TV show is John Noble, who played Denethor in Lord of the Rings. Oh, cool. So that's kind of neat too. Yeah. So, you know, it's good. But I've, I've got a few music notes, music things. Okay. Okay. But I, I want to make sure you're done with adaptations. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, Bing Crosby, you know, awesome in the Disney thing. We talked about that. There <laughs> is a Joe Satriani's song called The Headless Horseman. It's not really spooky, vaguely spooky at best, but you can't actually get like a little bit of galloping sound from it so it's 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 got that motif going uh merciful face it's got that legend. going for it <laughs> i'm not gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> damn you bill murray uh yeah i'm gonna move on merciful fates <laughs> legend of the headless rider is good for metalheads when we reference a past episode and king diamond was part of merciful fate and we referenced him Talked about him in our Corpse Paint episode two Halloweens uh, ago. Yes, we did. I just took a drink, so. Yeah, good deal. There is also The Headless Horseman by Ebony Wall, 2015 album, Time. I don't care for it. It's a bit too bright and peppy for me. But for our listeners who might like more bright and peppy music, give that one a shot. I think you'd like it. <laughs> As opposed to Merciful Fate. <laughs> or these next two. Uh, because these next two are also metal. <laughs> a really good uh -huh. one is 
Pegasus, Pegasus's, and Pegasus is spelled with the Z. That's why I'm saying it kind of oddly. It's P-E-G-A-Z-U-S. Uh, they're 2002 song, The Headless Horseman. And they're a heavy metal band from Australia, formed in 93. One that I think is really good and closest to the story lyrically is Last Pharaoh's The Headless Horseman from their 2018 The Mantle of Spiders album. And they are an actual band from the Hudson Valley in New York. Uh, just started 2016 and Sleepy Hollow is in the Hudson Valley. So Last Pharaoh, The Headless Horseman. I'll have to check that out. Two years ago on their Mantle of Spiders album. Yeah, that's what I got. I mean, I know I focused on metal for the most part, but, you know, that's what we do. Yes, it's it's in our name. <laughs> but if you have non-metal songs about the Headless Horseman you like, send them to us. We'll listen. Do you have anything else before I talk about other literature adaptations? Um, no. All right, here. Here's my note on other adaptations. Or no, adaptations in literature, other literature. Okay. Why bother? Read the fucking story every year. It's not very long and maybe throw in Rip Van Winkle while you're at it. Yes. It's, I mean, Rip Van Winkle's a great short story too. We don't have to get into it, but it's really neat also if you like folklore, weird, giants, bowling, nine pins stuff. Yes. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. That's what I have. Me too. So you have nothing more. Not on this. Very well then. We should let you go because it is getting late and we need to cross the bridge by the old Dutch cemetery before the headless Hessian comes galloping along. It's too late. I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm a pick up a stick. <laughs> I got a rock. <laughs> Ice. Uh, Ice. I so. I'm not sure I can do any better. So if you have nothing to add, I'm gonna say I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. We, we hope you've enjoyed this. Share some. Yep. Tell your friends. Social. Yeah. Tell your friends, your frenemies, Tell your enemies. Your, your, your family. On that note, we hope you're <laughs> continuing to have a good Halloween. Go watch Disney or read the book or listen to it on podcast audible, something, whatever. Enjoy some spooky 200th anniversary of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. I'm James. I'm Jody. And we'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. <laughs> ah, it's a headless horseman. Kill it. Kill it. <laughs> Poor headless horseman. Poor guy. <laughs> He's just trying to get ahead. <laughs> uh, let's see if I can do this the way I want to. Um, <clears throat> okay. No, I'm not going to try to screw you up. Welcome back okay. to the Twin Terrors, Macabre Manor. Yeah, you did screw me up. Thank you. <laughs> well, that was your fault because I started saying that before you started saying it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, I'm going to do it again. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. That'll be a good witch one. We do witches one year. <laughs> Which one? That one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have All a question right. for you, but it can wait till we're done. The answer is 42. That Long wasn't the question. Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. <laughs> yeah, we'll get tangentializing.
<laughs> well, if it makes you feel better, I'd rather stab you in the ear with the rusty nail than listen to him also, but not my own ear. See? <laughs> <laughs> Trick-or-treating may be canceled, but Halloween is not.